0: Welcome to the Talon Project. Talon stands for Teaching and Learning Online Network. As we adjust to the new COVID-19 reality, Talon provides a platform for sharing and discussing resources and practices for remote education. You can learn more at taloncloud.ca. Enjoy this episode.
1: So thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I've got Guy Gardner with me and maybe I'm just gonna pass it right over to you, let you introduce yourself, uh, tell a little bit about what you do at SAPL and your background.
0: Sure, Uh, so yeah, thanks very much for for having me uh, with you and um, for your interest. So uh, yeah, my name is Guy and I am a graduate of the architecture program. uh, And, also of the uh, ME DES program. So I came back and did a, a ME DES degree after finishing my architecture degree. I, I went and worked for a few years and then um, came back to engage in some uh, some research. And so I spent a few years working under the supervision of Jason Johnson, one of our, our profs in the architecture program, uh, looking at um, creative uses of, Digital fabrication tools uh, such as three um, D printers and industrial robots, and so at the end of that uh, that research, I completed my uh, Amy Des thesis, um, and then was hired by the uh, by the School of Architecture uh, to work as the uh, my my current title is Robotics and CBDL facility specialist. so um, we have a couple of uh, industrial robots both on our main campus uh, at the university and then also in our satellite campus here at the CBDL. and so I am responsible for those um, so I help out kind of as a technician um, supervising students and researchers who are, who are working with that equipment and then I also um, work out of the satellite campus here and um, you know, help students with 3D printing and providing, um, you know, support for any of the the research that happens here around digital fabrication.
1: Wonderful. So you've obviously had lots of experience both with uh, SAPL and um, digital technology and tools and things, but obviously this year looks a little bit different in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, so how has your facilitation and how has teaching changed um, for this year that you see?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, so I was uh, in the middle of actually sort of working on a uh, one of our block week workshops when the pandemic started. So we had we had just kind of set up our exhibition and and wrapped up the student work uh, and then the next day basically the, the university was shut down. Um, and so I was at that time still kind of halfway through, uh, I also teach the introduction to building science course for architects. So um, I was kind of halfway through that course. So we uh, switched over to an online delivery method. We, you know, finished up the, that course um, on Zoom Which was like at the time you know having to do that in the middle of the semester was was a big adjustment and uh um you know i think it was actually it was good for me because it sort of um you know i didn't really have a choice about being able to adapt and and it kind of um got me thinking and and got me uh really familiar with the process immediately so um directly after that we uh, I actually put together another course that we could offer in the spring because we did want to, you know, provide some continuity for students. So, um, so I put together a, a course called Comput- Computational Design for Architects. Um, uh, me and my teaching assistant Kim C, and uh, so we offered that uh, course completely online, and it was it was great. You know, we found uh, the students were really receptive uh, to the content and and it gave us a chance to sort of explore some other, um, you know, possibilities in terms of uh, course delivery. You know, we did a, a couple of the courses on, uh, or a couple of the classes on Mozilla hubs, which was interesting. And um, so, you know, it gave us a chance to try out some, some different things. And then um, over the summer, we, you know, we figured things out a little bit more, and then uh, we hired a new uh, faculty member. So a new professor of robotics And so towards the end of the summer um i started working with with her her name's alicia namad vasquez and so um yeah working with her and her her teaching assistants we set up a a way to help um, that class be able to be delivered remotely which is kind of an interesting thing because um, it was the first first time i've had a chance to think about you know how would we give students access to uh the equipment, which, you know, I think it's really important for students to be able to have sort of a hands-on um, engagement with with these kind of tools to be able to really understand how they work. Um, I, I've always been someone who learns uh, through doing and through making, so I think that is really important to an architectural education and, and you know, design education in general. So, um, so working through some of those problems with, uh, with, that team has been has been quite interesting. And, um, you know, we've come up some, some creative solutions, and and we're still, you know, constantly kind of trying to develop that and and figure out new ways of working as well.
1: Mm -hmm. So you've kind of touched on some of the things that were um, interesting or opportunities already for you in this process. But um, yeah, I guess overall, what do you think are some of the opportunities created by digital education?
0: Well, I mean, First off, I think it's important to recognize that uh, the practice of architecture, and you know, I'm sure that that's the area that I'm most familiar with. But I'm sure it's the same for landscape architecture and urban planning. Um, they really have become a, a heavily digital practice, and it's very important for um, for people that are engaging in that that field to be comfortable with uh, working digitally and being able to collaborate with teams in a distributed way across, um, you know, different countries and and continents. So, um, you know, I think that using tools like Zoom um, and being able to work in teams and, uh, you know, not necessarily having to have those teams meet in person, but finding ways to share and markup drawings and communicate in those ways, uh, is is really important uh, from an educational perspective. So we need to we need students to be able to to learn those processes. And um, so, you know, that's what I, I do want to sort of keep in mind uh, is that that that's just a reality of the of these professions in some ways. So um, the things that are a bit more challenging are, you know, it's also important for designers to be able to. Construct models and to be able to explore tectonics uh, through producing like mockups and things like that as well. So, um, so those things are are a bit more of a challenge. Um, so, you know, for for example, for our workshop, we've um, we've had to shift things a little bit so that uh, students basically are submitting um, you know files, fabrication files, and um, designs to technicians and the technicians are helping them uh, to produce those things. So so rather than the students actually, um, you know, going into the shop and cutting materials themselves, the technicians are cutting those things and then giving them to the students to be able to assemble on their own if if they are working locally, or we're having to find ways for those students to get access to, um, to equipment in their, uh, you know, wherever they might be located or, um, you know, making some sort of, uh, you know, arrangements or, um, you know, alternative plans for them to be able to, um, you know, make up for that work in some other way. So those are some of the some of the challenges. But, you know, in terms of working with robots and working with 3d printers, there, there are ways for us to be able to give students um, the ability to sort of uh, control those machines from remote locations. So, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, our IT department has been helpful in um, providing students with remote access to computers in the labs, Um, and then we're also uh, broadcasting videos uh, of the the robots working so that they have real-time access to be able to see um, what those uh, machines are doing and, and how they're responding to the commands that are being sent to them. So one of the ways that we've we've done that actually we've created a an Instagram account for our uh, our robots. Uh, it's called um, it's Apple Robots.
1: Uh, okay.
0: So you know if people are interested, they can sort of uh, follow along and and um, you know have a look at that. I'll I'll send you the the link to the Instagram so that you can include oh, it. That's in That's great. There. Yeah. Um, um, and really- the other thing that's been really nice is that you know uh, there's you know, it, across all different institutions, I'm I'm finding that uh, you know other other professors and other technicians are being really um, you know collaborative and and helpful and and interested in sharing the the you know kind of tricks that they've found and the approaches that they've found that are working as well. So um, so it's been it's been interesting to kind of like tap into that larger network of people all dealing with the same challenges.
1: Mm-hmm yeah it's obviously connecting us in in different ways as well than before and and there's lots of opportunity in that Um, I'm curious a little bit about the the model making that you were talking about Um, just I know like from the planning side of things our requirements obviously are a little less whereas architecture is building all the time right um and my understanding of classes uh in planning is that they've just sort of like lightened or taken out the requirement for models at this point. So obviously um, there's lots more uh, kind of concessions being made in in architecture to try and make these things happen. And you talked about that um, still that there's a bit of an exchange of materials and um, people can submit their designs digitally and have them produced on CNC or whatever laser cutters. Um, are you finding that there's that things are getting lost in translation during that process, or is it like people are coming up with kind of creative problem solving as a result? Like, how, how do you think that's going?
0: Well, um, so, you know, I, I'm still in the, in the process of, of really kind of like testing that idea out. Um, I'm teaching a class right now that's called uh, Integrative Acoustics. So, we're looking at, um, you know, the acoustics of learning environments. So, you know, looking at some spaces here in the building that I'm I'm working in, uh, and we're doing some simulations, and then uh, we're, you know, working towards producing some mockups uh, for the class that we're hoping to be able to actually, you know, test uh, using some some acoustics uh, equipment. So, um, up to this point, the the Work has all been digital. It's all been, um, you know, using simulation. And uh, one of the challenges that the, the students encountered is, you know, sometimes their own hardware is a <clears throat> is is a little bit, um, you know, not <clears throat> as fast uh, as as some of the the computers they would have in the lab. So we've we've given them rem- remote access to the lab computers so that they can run the simulations on those computers. Um, but as we as we move into kind of production mode. Um, It is going to be interesting to see how you know how the students are able to overcome some of those challenges but one of the ways that we're we're making it work is that um, the students are going to be working in teams and so those those who aren't able to um, to come in and directly work uh, with their hands building things um, they'll be able to contribute to the team in other ways Um, so that's, that's part of that whole, you know, that reality of, of working in teams, that, that's part of the profession as well, is that, um, you know, there's a, a division of, of responsibilities that, that happens and people need to sort of like understand how they can contribute uh, in their own way and, um, and then understand how they can sort of participate as well. So obviously documentation uh, of processes is, becomes really important and, um, you know, finding Finding ways to be able to, you know, take uh, time-lapse photos and and sort of you know share the progress with the team and, and those kind of things are can be really cool ways of, of addressing that.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how it all plays out for sure.
0: <laughs> you do, you it's it's all a big experiment right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're all in that together for sure. Um, so in terms of, uh, I guess, online teaching, what's your most used software or tool?
0: Definitely Zoom right now. I'm on, I feel like I'm on Zoom all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've, uh, I've started using uh, Yuja, uh, which actually sort of, it's been, it's been nice that, that you guys are kind of sharing this, uh, you know, set of resources and tools. I've found it, I've found it quite useful. Initially, I was, um, you know, recording all of my, my zoom videos and then going back and trying to edit them down into usable clips that I could share with the students and, and I found that process to be you know kind of time consuming and onerous so you know finding other ways to speed that up a little bit has been has been nice.
1: And then in terms of um, I guess sort of a follow up to that what would be your favorite resource for teaching online. So. That can be inspiration, where you go for um, guidance or anything like that.
0: Right. Well, yeah. One other thing I did want to add is that I've I've found it really useful to uh, use Discord as a uh, as a platform that I can, you know, both kind of like make myself available to students um, to some extent, but more importantly, making uh, making them available to each other to sort of try and, and make up for that missing studio culture that's, that's disappeared right now, which is so critical to architecture school, right? The, the fact that, you know, normally in the studio, students would be able to sit next to each other, um, you know, look over each other's shoulders and, and discuss their projects and, and talk about, you know, what techniques they're using and um, how, to, how to address challenges with the software. So, um, you know, trying to replace that to some extent through an online server like Discord or something like Teams, uh, I think can be quite, um, quite important. And um, it's it's really great to try and facilitate ways for students to be able to communicate with each other in that way um, so that they can learn from each other. Because I think students always learn more from each other than they ever do from uh, from their instructors. So. Um, so, yeah, I did want to say that. But in terms of uh, resources that I've been um, Using, there are some really amazing, uh, like online tutorials and stuff that are coming out right now that I've been like just blown away by. And, um, so one of the really good examples would be, um, a YouTube channel called Parametric Camp that has been started by, um, uh, Garcia del Castillo, who's a, an instructor at Harvard. And, um, You know, it's it's he's he's someone who's uh, been sort of recording his lectures and and posting, um, you know, live streams of of uh, him, you know, coding uh, in different software languages. And uh, it's been it's been great to see, uh, you know, people like that that are stepping up and um, sort of facing this this challenge by by really just know sharing more information and um you know being really generous with their time and um you know that's just one example but there's there's been lots there's been um you know different conferences which have made their um their proceedings available online to uh to people for free and so actually you know as a as a a person who's interested in um you know, computational design and digital fabrication and those sort of those subject areas. There's actually more information available right now than there was a year ago. There's there's so much like just this huge sort of trove of information that's been put out there and made available to people. So now's a really great time to engage in self-directed learning, I think.
1: Hmm. That's a really cool outcome of of it is just having all of these things readily available to everyone. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, okay, I guess um, we don't necessarily know what it's gonna look like next month in terms of school and teaching, those kind of things, but uh, what do you expect or what do you hope for higher education in the next
0: 10 years? Um, Well, you know, I hope that it continues to, uh, you know, provide students with ways to be able to um, to find their own path and their own um, passion and their own interests so that they can um, you know connect to networks of of like-minded people um, who can sort of uh, you know come together and collaborate and and open up new areas of research and and investigation and i think um you know that's in in any sort of like crisis there, there Opportunity, and I think that's the um, the best possible opportunity that could come out of this. Is that um, you know maybe maybe before people who were a little bit intimidated to go up and like approach somebody uh, in person, like a prof, and ask them questions, maybe they'll feel a little bit more comfortable, um, you know, doing that online, and it will uh, it will allow people to uh, to really sort of find you know their their niche in design or in whatever field they happen to be in. And to find uh, access to the, the resources and the, the people who can help them learn what they need to learn, um, so that they can go out and uh, you know achieve some really cool stuff. Because they're, the, the technologies, uh, especially that that I'm interested in, the technologies for automation and uh, you know distributed manufacturing and those sort of things are only um, accelerating because of this this current situation. So. Um, you know while it might feel at certain times that life is kind of on hold right now, um, it's it's moving forward very rapidly, so it's it's important that we uh, you know stay on top of it and, and keep learning all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting that you touched on that sort of um, that comfort level or layer of safety that comes with, you know being in your own home and engaging in classes from there Um, and that you know people are coming out of their shell or maybe are able to take advantage of all these things that are now readily available Um, so yeah that's that's kind of a neat thing coming out of it for sure Um, you've answered all the questions I had is there anything else you want to add to the conversation
0: Uh, no I don't think so I just yeah do you want to say thanks again to uh, Talon and to to you guys for for uh, taking the time and um, taking on this extra uh, responsibility in the midst of all this, but it's it's uh, it is appreciated.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts. And uh, yeah, it's especially interesting thinking about um, you coming from that extremely experiential learning side of things uh, and fabrication. So yeah, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Have a great day.
1: You too. Take care.
0: This episode was produced by Talon. You can find the video of the interview and more at taloncloud.ca. The Talon Project is funded by the Richard Parker Initiative. It is hosted at the School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape at the University of Calgary. Thank you for listening.